beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. So, and we were talking about it earlier in progressive spaces a lot, and especially in those anti-racist spaces. Um, one of the things that you know we'll hear is that everybody is equal. Everybody, you know, we're all the same, and so we're gonna fight. We should all have rights. But the moment that most times the people who are leading those movements, it affects them personally, where something where they have to give up something or you know, it affects their lives in some way, all of a sudden it's like, no, we can't. Well, no, this is, this is a part of liberation. And that may mean having to give up something that is a privilege to you so everybody else can have be a benefactor of it. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Robert. I'm Sam. And I'm still Trey. <laughs> and we are the three black men. Uh, I don't know what that that, po- that pause was. If you needed to <laughs> locate yourself in your body to know if you're still Trey, but yes, you are indeed. You got to take inventory every now and then, man. You got to you got to listen to yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. So we are joined by a special guest, uh, a much anticipated guest and requested guest um, (laughs) from uh, the universe. Uh, Plenty of people have asked us about this and hey, today's the day. On the multiverse. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Marielle, welcome. Hey. Greetings. Listen, I have made it in this life because I'm on three black men and I just that's literally that's what I prayed to the Lord about at the top of this year okay I said I want to be on three black men and look at what God did mm, won't he do it won't he do right. it <laughs> listen this I'm is... just sorry it took this long yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? but I'm yeah. glad this is me. the beginning this is the beginning of the end for me because Rob and Sam have been trying to replace me with you for, for the longest well see yeah. uh, Arby's has entered the group chat and just threw a whole monkey wrench. So it's one of those things Which where is, it's like- That's why I'm now willing- I'm now willing keeper to, or- <laughs> Hey, I'm now willing to concede the election. Like you are a worthy replacement, a worthy successor right there. Yeah, no, you know. so we're excited. Um, yeah, y'all, Marielle, she's a theologian. She's a worship sure. leader. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. And she's all around great person. A uh, comedian, almost extraordinary in the streets. Um, yeah, so we're gonna get into a bit more of Mario's story, but let's just the, the the three of us say just a bit about how we have perceived Mario. Uh, yeah, how how we have encountered her. Something about that. Uh, I'll I go need f- to get. Do I need to get some tissues or something? I feel like I'm gonna cry. Like well, you did it before, but now it's a go. Now I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go for it. Gonna... Yeah. So um I'll go first. Uh Mario has been amazing. You're an amazing person. 
Uh, and I, the thing that I love about you is not just your authentic authenticity. And I know that's something you really strive for, but how you hold people with tenderness really, really, really moves me. And the more that I get to know you, I get to see that like unfold more and more and more. Like even when things are like crumbling in your own life, you really hold other people with tenderness. And that has just been so dope to watch. Like your life could be a mess. <laughs> You're like, I'm still not gonna let other people go. And yeah, yeah, authentic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so I would, um, I mean, I don't piggyback just on that, but add to the fact that um, just your love for yourself, um, the comfortability in your own skin um, and how, uh, just how you love yourself publicly. I can only imagine how much, how much more you do soar in your own private time. That's really ministered to me. Um, uh, because self-love does hasn't come easy. I've always been hard on myself, but just watching you, listening to you speak um, has really helped. Uh, you've been a voice that's really kind of helped guide me into loving myself better. Uh, and that's something I've really appreciated from you um, over these last, last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. First of all, most, I know Robert already listed part of your CV as a worship leader, as a theologian, a comedian, extraordinary. I want to make sure that the people also know that you are a podcast host in your own right, the current host of She Will Not Fall, uh, the host of With the Facts with Marielle, doing a daggone thing, quality all around. Uh, but at the top of the traits that I look for and admire in people is integrity. Um, something uh, of, of, of a constant in how they present themselves, the things that they strive to embody, and the sense of truth, uh, liberty, and love that you embody in all of your interactions and in all of the content that you produce and the ways that you strive to leave uh, to lead worship in your uh, in your own ministry context, and, and the integrity that you embody in all of that is truly inspiring to me. It's the type of presence, the type of embodied ministry that does not allow me to rest on my laurels or rest on the traditional ways of thinking of things. Like I, I am continually, uh, I, I'm constantly inspired to live more authentically, to live more lovely, and to honor both God and my neighbor by the way that you choose to embody love and ministry. Okay, <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry. Um, thank you. <laughs> What's crazy is earlier today, I was telling somebody, I was like, it is so hard for me to hear when people say really positive things about like how either I've impacted their life because I'm like, really? You got all that from that? So I'm still growing in that too. And Sam, I'm still growing in the self-love part. Like, so we on that journey together, but thank y'all for that. Like that, I needed to hear that. So thank you for that. 
I didn't think I was gonna be crying on three black men, like for real. <laughs> 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 like, I didn't think I was gonna be doing that. But anyway. Yeah, no, I we appreciate you. I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, it's just an unfolding journey with you and who you are as a person. And I think what's awesome about you, you know, segueing into the topic that we have is that you seem free to let people know that you are on this journey, right? Like you are the the perfect example of, I have not arrived yet. Don't look to me to tell you all the answers. Like I am questioning, I am asking, right? I am uh, evolving. And, uh, and so that's really cool. And so on the table today, we're talking about liberation and what's cool about that even is uh pointing to your podcast that trey brought up (laughs) she will not fall i love it i recommend it uh plug for it uh friend of the podcast sharifa was on uh that was a lovely episode by the way lots of laughs on there too uh (laughs) on that particular episode you unfolded this theme of liberation the whole time and so, yeah, so that that's on the table. And so I guess the first thing that I would ask is what made you pick liberation for your podcast? Um, yeah. For season two specifically. Yeah. Good question. Um, I don't know. I think liberation is kind of become like a buzzword and I, I really wanted to drill down because I realized that we can have, and I think I've said this all season long on the podcast, like we can have a communal definition of what liberation looks like for us, but I also wanted to dive into what does personal liberation look like? Um, Because sometimes we don't sit and think about, well, what do I specifically need in order for me to feel liberated? Like, what do I need in order to feel like I'm free? Um, And so a lot of times we come from a community context, and I think that is really important. But I think it's also really important for you to dive into the personal liberative work that you need to do internally, because I think that makes the community liberative work more effective. Because if you aren't liberated internally, how do you then try to liberate others, right? And so I just really wanted to dive into that, into the different nuances that women are a part of. Um, whether that is traditional ministry or non-traditional ministry, um, and then the ways that that shows up in the work that they embody. So whether they're writers or creatives or preachers, no matter what it is, that liberation and liberative work can show up in various forms. Um, And I really wanted to highlight that. So yeah, I think that was really the idea behind that, was to kind of get people's wheels turning behind liberation because again it's a buzzword so we use it a lot but I really kind of wanted to pull it back to say okay but what does that mean (laughs) right and just to kind of get people's wheels turned about what that means for them personally yeah and I would love for you to give us a definition that you have for our mm-hmm. conversation, I was about to like. Yeah, so, I was so, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sam and I on that same yeah. wavelength. So you you've been sitting, yeah. pondering for a whole season with all these great, wonderful guests from all these different arenas. What what is Marielle's definition of liberation? It is a definition that I think every guest said, which is liberation is the 
place of being able to be wholly, authentically yourself, that you are not carrying the burdens of all these other things, but you have a sacred space where you can pull down those barriers, pull down those walls, be completely vulnerable, and it's not going to be thrown back in your face or any of that, that you have a safe space in order to be wholly who you are. Um, and I realized as I was talking to guests that people who naturally have that day in and day out, that really is a privilege. Like when you get to just show up and be your whole self and don't even have to think about it, you don't have to code switch, you don't have to think about these other things that, you know, walking into an environment you get to just do, like that's a privilege. And so having a sacred carved out space, whether that's people, whether that's in things that you do, I mean, whatever that looks like, it looks different for everybody. So I can't say, oh, you have to do this, but what replenishes your soul and what allows for you to be authentic and vulnerable and safe? So what do y'all think of that, brothers, of that that definition? Let's play with that definition. Uh, what are y'all thinking? Yeah, I like you kind of hammered in on the idea of authenticity. Um, authenticity. I don't know why I put the accent right there in that word when I said it the first time. But <laughs> this idea of, of authenticity and a lot of times, particularly here in these United States of America, which is the only culture I know as intimately as I do, but liberation kind of gets welded in. You mentioned buzzword a few times, but what welded in with this idea of liberty, which is this brand thing, this this brand name that we've put on what it means to be an American, which is often an idea. It's, it's what we've labeled this idea and this ideal of assimilation, right? So in pursuing what it looks like to be, uh, so to experience liberty or to embody liberation is to be conformed into the self-sufficient uh, American ideal, which is in and of itself a straitjacket that we put on ourselves. So when we sit there and force ourselves to define what liberation looks like and, and what that means to us, it like kind of forces us to deal with, okay, wait a second, am I really like looking for liberation and freedom and authenticity or am I pursuing this ideal that's been set up for me, which is actually, actually inauthentic and flies in the face of the community that I'd like to pursue. And um, I'm really looking at what that, what that looks like and what embodying that would require of me and what adjustments I would have to make and what kindnesses I would need to show myself and those around me in order to pursue that and embody that. So like really naming what that looks like and that authentic piece and everything I think causes us to re-examine what we've been pursuing, um, what we've been trying to assimilate, whether consciously or subconsciously and helping us get to a place of more wholeness, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, I, um, it's interesting because I like, um, especially when you were talking about um, just being at a place where you can be free, where you don't feel like you have to code switch, where you don't feel like you have to make any sort of adjustments, right? Um, and for me, that has to start at home, right? Like if I can't be myself at home, if I cannot be comfortable at home, where can I go to be me? Um, and it's interesting because I actually just started doing it. Well, a few weeks ago, I started doing this um, seasonal job through a temp agency and it's like work from home. And 
it took some adjustment one because of the work from because though of the work from working from home in a call center environment and we got two toddlers running around but I noticed that I never felt like I had to make adjustments to who I am as far as like I don't code switch I don't, you know what I'm mean? like I talk like me and it's received and it's welcomed as authentic um not just by like customers but even people in the workplace that I talk to over the phone is coming through as authentic and they appreciate um I feel appreciated as um as a human and like for who I am and it's weird because it's the first time that I've really felt like that in a place of employment but I'm at home so it's um it's encouraging because now um I find myself I don't know I'm just more comfortable in my skin and I find myself trying to I don't know if I try to carry that with me everywhere I go or if I just try to always sort of foster an environment where my family and I can just be comfortable and be ourselves no matter what but there's there's a sense of that and 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 I even got a chance to spend time with Trey and his family this week and or yesterday uh, Thursday what's today Saturday Thursday see these days running together Thursday and it just felt like home even being with them um and so I feel like I don't know just the more I go I, um I just feel like I just feel community built in in sort of that way where for me it started at home and now I can I've reconciled with who I am and being comfortable in my own skin and so I can show that to others and I can carry that in the community that I you know because I want other people to feel that same way um I want to facilitate an environment where people can let their hair down where people can be themselves um so I like that. I really like that uh, that definition. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking through the fact that you made the individual and communal aspects of it, and I think when thinking about the buzzword portion of what you're kind of lifting up with liberation, that's really helpful because because people talk about doing liberation work if you don't make that distinction of the individual and the communal aspect, like it's hard to know what are we fighting for? Like what, you know, are we only fighting for this group thing, but then what about the individual? And then the other thing that I was thinking of is how will we know when we've accomplished all our tasks, if we're only doing the communal thing. Right. And yeah, so that's getting me to think, but yeah, so more from you on the individual and com communal like what are your thoughts of that i love how you said this carved out space and you're really focusing on that individual part but where do you see that distinction um in your work and others right all right so like i feel like individual nobody can really tell you what that looks like for you right like i can't be like sam this is what you need to do to, in order for you to feel liberated right because our context is different where we are is like, we are, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I can't really, that's personal. Um, you know what makes your soul come alive. You know, when you're able to feel like you can breathe, <laughs> right? You can exhale. Um, 
in that personal liberative space, I think it's just, it's personal to you. Like nobody can dictate that to you. With the communal liberation, we that's a collaboration that has to happen. So communal liberation requires collaboration because we all need to be, like you just said, Robert, on the same page. What are we working towards? What is the overall goal? And then what are the steps for us to get there? Right, we, we can't, and what, like even what you see right now in politics, right? You see one party where there's a divide now because of everything that's happening. So you got way more progressive folks who are saying, no, this is the agenda. And then you have folks who've been in Washington for a minute saying, eh, no, that's not the agenda this is, right? So fragmented, we're not gonna be able to really accomplish what we need to accomplish if we're off in different areas and different wavelengths and thinking, right? So I really think communal liberation requires us to be collaborative, but I also think where the individual fits within that collaborative effort is, yes, we are a unit, so we're fighting for collective liberation, but I'm still paying attention to the individuals that are fighting alongside of me, because there are going to be times I have to take up a slack that they don't, they need to sit down. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's still paying attention to the individuals as well as the collective. It's a dance because I think there are going to be times we're going to get exhausted, right? They're going to, you need people in the collective to see you, yeah. to say, Robert, you're doing too much. You need to rest. We got it from here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it really is, yes, the collective, but still the individual because I need to be able to pay attention to you. Like, I need to know that you're good or we're just wearing you down. And actually we become what we're fighting against, which is oppressing you. Yeah. And I, I'm getting energized by thinking of this when I, I'm thinking of like real life examples too, as you're talking to, like, I like that you said politics, but I'm thinking a lot of my problem with a lot of like progressive spaces is that would be a whole podcast, but one, um, um, uh, our, our group chat be flooded with my thoughts on progressive spaces. But I think part of it is because they don't have one, the healthy individuals who are liberated, who are liberated, who know themselves enough to collaborate. Right. And so then how can two walk together unless they agree? How can we be in this fight for communal thriving when this person isn't even free individually. And then it's this lack of collaboration together, um, which leads to like mess. And so I see a lot of progressive groups that are progressive in name, um, but they're not liberating anybody. I see a lot of, I'm gonna be Pacific. I see a lot of anti-racist um, groupings um, y'all racist in there. Um, it is because <laughs> y'all be racist. Um, and that's inside of the church and outside of the church. Um, so I'll be that specific. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, be, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Be honest. Not to go say, if I can be honest, like a lot of times, most people think that they are fighting for liberation, but what they're really fighting for is to replace the oppressor. Yes. Ooh. They just want to be yes. in control. Like yep. they're not really fighting for liberation for all. They want liberation for them because it puts them in power 
but there's no sense of the collective. They just want to replace oppressors. Go, go ahead. That's really real. Go ahead. That's oh, I was gonna say, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, um, and it, it, it either that or just, yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely that. Um, just to have that soapbox to be heard, to have that position of power, and yeah, I'll still speak on these things until they interfere with my doings and what I got going on but because then you need to get it know your place <laughs> so I yeah <laughs> yeah the game is kind of jacked up when liberation for you just looks like access to oppression right like when liberation is a zero-sum game and what it looks like for you in your mind to be liberated is access to all of the tools to put other people in the place that you're trying to get liberated from. Like that's, kind of, it's, it's kind of jacked up. And a lot of times, uh, whether intentionally or not, that's what people move towards when they fight for and strive for liberation, when that's a stated goal. And I think that we need to examine that to make sure that that's not what we're practicing, that that's not what we're embodying, that that's not what we're striving to, towards when we say these things, right? Like when, Robert, you mentioned like some of these anti-race faces, uh, anti-racism spaces y'all be looking uh y'all be looking kind of racist because at the end of the day you haven't done the work to examine like okay what is it that we're looking for is it access to the tools to just drive the the conversation or is it true liberation which liberates everybody because at the end of the day it's not a zero-sum game right i mean it literally is like a lot of those spaces they still practice white supremacy they just gave it a different name like it's just, it's just like repackaging, Oof. you know what yeah. I'm saying? And so if you're not careful, you will start embodying the very thing that you say that you're fighting against, which, and again, I agree with you. I think that's why a lot of people aren't really trusting of progressive type spaces. I mean, they're like, oh, we're anti-racist, you know, we don't. And it's like, eh, but like you're saying, you're still exhibiting because it's still rooted there because you haven't done the internal work that it takes for you to be liberated from the shackles of white supremacy and you're still perpetuating it just in a different form so that's again goes back to that liberative work and and i will say this liberative work also requires you having hard conversations to undo really toxic ways of thinking toxic theology toxic ways that you engage with people like you have to do that work because that's a part of you being liberated a part of you seeing people worthy a part of you seeing people and loving your neighbor most people can't truly love their neighbor because they don't love themselves and if we being really honest the church in a lot of ways has taught us not to love ourselves because there was something wrong with you giving yourself seeing yourself literally in the image of God and loving who God made you to be and I think that's what Trey was like saying earlier, we are taught to assimilate. We're not taught to really be the pure individuals that we are. And God knows how he, God knows how God made us, all of those things. So we don't have to look like this in order to be saved or look like this in order for God to love us. We could be mm -hmm. exactly who we are. And that, that doing that work, undoing all of that thinking, that's, <laughs> that's liberation too. Cause you don't realize how badly people are pressing themselves through bad theology like mm. you bring oppression to your own self it's not even sometimes that somebody like you're doing this to yourself because this is how you have been taught to look at yourself 
you're bringing your pressure to your own self. I, listen, that's a word. She's spitting the match. Yeah, <laughs> bars. Would you say, Marielle, that kind of the focus of your liberative work um, is the church or no? Or how would you describe your work? Yes. Um, and right now I'm really in the space of really trying to build community to help people decolonize worship. Um, and I feel like that's where I'm at. Um, for us to look at more liberative ways and more expansive ways of who God is and how we present God. Um, because we have put God in a box, you know. Um, I was telling somebody earlier today, I was like, for a lot of people, yes, some folks deconstruction, they tear it apart and they don't put it back together. It just is what it is, right? I said, and for many of us, deconstruction isn't sometimes necessarily questioning if God is real or questioning if God, a lot of times we're questioning how God has been presented, right? That's what we're dealing. We're deconstructing that. Um, and so just helping folks have a more expansive view of God, and especially those of us who are serving in those creative spaces, like in, in traditional ministry, typically, but also non-traditionally. Um, so whether they are worship leaders, whether they are musicians, whether they are whatever creative they, they are, to really try to help them with expanding how they see God, expanding the ways in which God can use them, um, and being liberated um, and decolonizing from worship, to know that some practices aren't demonic. They're part of your history. They're part of your ancestry. That's in your bones. Like your ancestors pass that down to you. Keep doing that. Don't let somebody talk you out of practicing that. So that's kind of where my focus is shifting. And that's where I really want to be focused in seminary as well, is to kind of do research and work around that, coming up with um, things just to help more progressive ministries um, who are basically raising churches in the age of deconstruction and they're the deconstructed church. So I really kind of want to focus on that. So yeah, I would say that's probably more of where my work is. And go ahead, Trey. Ah, more power to you. That's all that's all I'm about to say. Like man, I'm I'm charged up right now, ready to go. I I think it's amazing. I would you knowing just a bit of your story is this where you would have thought that you would have centered your liberate your liberation work even two three years ago four years ago uh with this focus on the church at all no because it's ironic <laughs> to me just knowing a bit of your story how confident you just said all that i'm like wow four years ago would you have been trying to focus on the church like that? <laughs> absolutely not because a lot of the church experience that I had, you know, up until maybe three years ago, I'm in a really great church space now and a ministry that is amazing. But before, no, <laughs> like I was like, I don't want, look, this is for the birds. Y'all can keep this. I don't want to be a part of it. I was like working at a church and all of those things. And it took me almost two years of therapy for me to realize that the church culture that I had been in pretty much most of my life aided in my depression. Wow. Like let that marinate. <laughs> wow. I had that like literally had to unpack that. 
like literally had to, I've become very serious about paying attention to how my body feels when I leave a space and when I leave people's presence, because your body doesn't lie. Your mind will try to talk you out of the flag, red flags you see, but your body tells you, your body, if your body is tense or you feel exhausted and drained when you've left the space, that tells you everything, your body's telling you that's not healthy for you probably. You, you might want to reconsider how much you engage. And I didn't do that. I just start, you just lean in harder. You know, that's, that's the devil. You just need to work harder. You need to volunteer harder. You need to sew harder. You need to do everything harder, right? And so I had just had a feel. I was like, man, forget this. I can't. <laughs> but thanks be unto God. God knows what you need when you need it. And literally around the time kind of like of my evolution where I'm like, it has to be more than this. Like I started meeting different folks on Twitter who were where I really wanted to be. And y'all were part of that. So you really, I'm grateful. I'm really, really grateful that I didn't walk away. And I'm also grateful that God gave me grace while I was angry and was trying to figure it out. Hey, I wish you knew how you was preaching to me right here in this moment, right? Because I, I, of the three black men, I'm the one who is uh, currently employed in full-time vocational ministry. And I consistently feel called to that space while at the same time I recognize that I can't be in all of them spaces, right? Like <laughs> I'm not cut out for all of them for the fact that I am who I am. And I recognize that a lot of these places expect me to reduce who that is in order to conform so like there's this constant tension like yo is this where i'm supposed to be at and if my boss is listening and i know a couple church members is listening right now please don't mishear me i'm not saying i'm trying to walk out on y'all but the church as an idea and everything like struggling with what it is but it's confirmation that there is work to be done here that that, that, that we can be here in fullness and in authenticity based upon who we are, who we are becoming and what God is calling us unto still. So thank you so much. You bless me right now. You really are. Yeah, I was going to say too, it, it really sounds like um, you're in a place of worship where they like really um, nurture and like the same things that you're helping to seek, um, you find there. And I think that is so dope because I cannot tell you how many times I've been in church and, you know, like, you know, black people, well, may, I mean, maybe all people, but I'm black. So, you know how we do after church, we go home, we eat and we don't get that nap. But I've been in so many spaces, so many different church spaces where I ain't even get to eat. And I just go home so drained and tired just from like emotional and mental or what if my body just tied, right? Like, and granted, I was a musician in those spaces, but I wasn't like, it was, I wasn't in there working out. I wasn't doing a 5K. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm playing some drums for like 15, 20 minutes. And then I sit down somewhere. Like you, you get what I'm saying? And, and to go home soldier, and I, it never occurred to me until after a whole bunch of heartache <laughs> and stuff happened that we needed to get up out of there because it was not good for it was not healthy and it was literally toxic to our bodies 
Um, so to even hear that aspect, man, um, you preaching to me from that aspect, because that just confirms like, you know, uh, and it actually adds to my list to what I would look for in a church home. And that's something that I couldn't identify before this moment. So I, I appreciate you. You see your voice, just, you just, you just be spitting. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. So there was a part in my story where I had pretty much left this particular church and I was like, I had so much damage had happened. Like I won't go into the whole gaming, but it was pretty bad. Um, and so I walked away. Um, and at the time I thought it was one person that was causing all of this foolishness, right? Uh, and then one day I get a phone call, like, hey, your name came up in a meeting and could you come back and serve in this way? That person is gone, right? And so I'm like, that, my pastor says this, he says, God is in your gut. So when you feel that thing that's telling you, eh, I don't know. And when I got the phone call, something said, no. But in my mind, it was like, no, this is a, look at what the Lord has done. He, God has opened up a whole nother door for me to do what I've been called to do. And I went back and that was the worst mistake because every single day that I would pull into that parking lot and park my car, I would have to sit in the car for like 15 minutes and I would pray. God, I don't know what I'm about to encounter when I walk in these doors and, and, it was that sinking feeling in my gut, right? And then I started seeing things and, I, and it was like, it was almost like God was like, how much more do I need to show you for you to get out? Okay, Jordan Peele, get out. Like, beloved, you are in the dark. You are like, what are you doing? You in the dark place, come on out. Like, what are you doing? And so I really, right yes. <laughs> So I walked away from having that extra income was really nice, y'all. It really was, but it wasn't worth my peace. It wasn't worth that. I don't like, it just wasn't. And so I had to get to a place where it was like, no, I'm going to walk away from this. This isn't healthy for me. I'm overworked. I'm tired. I'm burned out. Nobody cares about my life. I didn't had deaths in the family. Nobody's reached out. Only thing people care about is me being a worker and not a person so I can't bring my whole self and then when I do bring my whole self that's I'm punished because of that or it's thrown back up in my face so yes I want to be authentic with everybody but I had to learn in that process I can't be vulnerable with everybody I can be authentic with you but I can't be vulnerable with everybody and that was a part of my liberative work too, understanding who can handle my vulnerability, who can't, who can, who can help heal me when I need to be raised up versus pretending like they're healing me and then telling my business to everybody else. Oof, you preaching, you talking real good as, as I like to say. <laughs> um, let me ask you uh, one last question and then we're going to open up for some Q&A. Um, uh, I'm curious when we think about liberation or when you think about liberation, uh, after all that we've been talking about, after all that you've been doing in your personal time, your personal work, what is the end goal for you? Whether And that can be individually, that can be for the church, 
Like what, how will you know when you're done? Oh, um, personally, like I said, I'm still on the journey. Like I'm still trying to figure a lot of things out. Um, but I think I'll be okay once I, once I'm not really concerned about what outside forces think, you know what I'm saying? Like in some ways, like you still like, okay, I wonder what people are going to think about this. And slowly, but surely I'm getting there. Like that I do what's best for me. If, even if you invited me somewhere and I get home and like, eh, I don't feel like going, so I'm not coming. Like, <laughs> like little things like that. Like really tapping into what I need and not being concerned about, not saying I don't care about other people's feelings. It's not that, but it is not, I think, Robert, we said, I said this one time to you in a conversation, it's like that we've shown grace to other people, but denied it to ourselves, right? Like, and I don't want to do that. I think that's when I'll know. It's like when I'm at that point where I can extend grace to somebody, but not at the expense of denying it to myself. You know what I'm saying? And so personally, I feel like that's the road I'm on, is that I will always tap into what is best for me and not be concerned about the things I can't control, about the residuals. Because no, if I need a break, I need a break. If I need to sit down, I need to sit down. If I want to go ghost on social media for a month, I'm going to go ghost for social media on a month, like, whatever that is. Like, and be okay with that and not be concerned about, oh, I feel like I got to keep producing or, oh, I feel like people are going to talk about me or what if I lose followers? I'm not concerned about that. I'm really concerned about my peace and my soul. And that's all I really care about personally. Communally, is that all people are free. And I know that sounds really like typical, like what somebody would say, but I realized there's so much work we have to do for marginalized folks because so many people who are on the margins, um, life right now is scary. Um, and so for me, I'm committed in whatever way God ordains to do everything that I can in my power to fight for those who feel voiceless, to fight for those who are, um, overlooked, underappreciated, um, and to fight for those, like I say, who are on the margins and pulling them to the center. I want them to be centered. I want their voices to be centered. I want their, um, their lives to really matter. <laughs> I know that's like really cliche, probably what I just said, but that's how I know the work continues. And if everybody is not there, then we still got more work to do. Hey, we still no, got more work to do. It's not cliche. Mm, well, amen and amen. talked about a new segment we're gonna talk about uh what's on the front burner some some things um that that uh we are excited about personally as as individuals and bringing that and sharing that with y'all hey everyone welcome to on the front burner and i specifically specifically want to highlight a show on Showtime 
and it's called The Man. I almost forgot the name of the show, <laughs> hence the pause. <clears throat> it's called The Man Who Fell to Earth. Uh, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I was put onto the show by a friend of the pod, Sharifa, aka Sharifa Writes. <laughs> and I think it is especially beautiful. Uh, for black people to watch, black people to uh, just bask in, and especially if you are a black creative, uh, there's a lot of nuances that I think you can really take in. But The Man Who Fell to Earth, it's a fictional show, but there's so many beautiful nuances to the show that I don't want to give it away, but yeah, y'all take it in, take it in, take it in, take it in, take it in. It is a worthy watch. It's science fiction done in a way that is so... Yeah. Y'all get into the show, okay? <laughs> uh, sign up for a free trial um, if y'all don't want to get into showtime like that. Just a, a quick 30-day trial and binge it. All right. now have a patreon which patreon. i want to encourage each and every one of y'all to to visit at our uh, patreon.com slash three black men uh think through it pray through it ask god <laughs> if, if he would have you partake in his work that we're doing because on top of some bonus content here we have uh some blog pieces going up there's going to be some devotional content coming out and i want to encourage you guys um to visit that patreon patreon.com slash three black men go watch and, um, my kids ruin my videos go ahead watch, watch them. <laughs> them them babies ain't ruin nothing man matter of fact there's, there's more people gonna sign up to, to see them babies how about that bro <laughs>